So let's go and find our way back to our seats. So as you know, we've been going through the book of Acts and we're seeing last week how, how God's unstoppable faith through his people, how God's using his active, his active Holy Spirit in the, in the lives of believers and how we're the church sent on mission and how every single one of Jesus's followers is empowered by this power that's greater than us. It's not in us, it's Christ in us, not us. It's not our own strength that we draw from, it's Christ in us, leading us to be on mission. And today we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. So if you could please turn there, we'll go ahead and get started shortly. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. And as you're turning there, I want to do something a little different this morning. We're going to go ahead and, well, I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys that if you could please just close your eyes with me. And I want you to think about how you've failed God this week. I want you to think about how you've really messed up. I want you to really think about the hurt that you caused someone. I want you to really think hard and long how you failed God this week. Do you feel like this is it? That you failed God this one last time and he's pushed you away? Do you feel like your pride or your selfishness has pushed people away, hurt people? Now go ahead and open your eyes. Now imagine being told that what you have to do next is now you need to perform, that you need to do good works, that you need to do good things in order to show God that you're serious about loving him. Imagine if I said from the front here that you need to atone for the sins that you've committed. How crazy would that sound? That would not be the gospel. But you know the crazy part is? That's exactly how we live our lives when we fall into sin. Or am I the only one that does that? Try to work his way out of the hole, right? Can I get a show of hands? Thank you, Brother Mo. Thank you, guys. Just being real. Both hands, brother, thank you. Digging with both hands, not just one. I got you. And that's just us. And I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther once said that our hearts are hardwired for works righteousness. And as we're looking at Acts chapter 15, what comes to mind is that the gospel is being attacked. Let's look at it, Acts chapter 15, verse 1. And we're going to have a long text to read, but we're going to read through it real quick, as fast as possible. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. They're putting something before them for them to be saved. They need to complete something. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. 
when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up. Here it is again, watch. It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. It's a conference that takes place. And after there had been much debate, my boy Peter, man, Peter's always the first to say something. Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them. Having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through what? Through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related with what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon, which is also Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take them from a people for his name. And now watch this. He's going to point them to Scripture. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it. The remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual morality, and for what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. In other words, they preach about him every Sunday. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders and the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words of unsettling, unsettling your minds, although we gave no instruction. In other words, those guys earlier were false teachers. It seemed good to us, having come to one accord, they come into an agreement, what should be done? To choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it had seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. 
that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you would do well. Farewell. Father, as we go in your word today, Lord, we ask, Lord God, that you would reveal to us, Lord, the truth we can draw with, with, with drawing this well of truth, Lord, the gospel of grace that we can drink from this day, Lord. Teach us what it means to, 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 to follow you and believe you by grace alone and faith alone in Christ. Lord, teach us not to bend on the gospel. Lord, teach us not to be a stumbling block for our brothers and sisters, but teach us to live in peace and unity amongst the different cultures and people here, Father. Lord, use your word, Lord, because it is active and living, Lord. We need of you, Holy Spirit, to do the work in us and through us. Transform our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in the beginning, we see that these false teachers come in and saying that people need to be circumcised. And what that means is that they were to be told to follow the law of Moses and the commandments and rituals of Moses that was taught in the book of Leviticus. But here's the thing. This whole thing that, that they're pulling out of this is that men are coming and saying, you need to do something on top of what's been done already for you in Christ. And so the first point I want us to look at is that we're saved by grace alone, and by only grace, nothing else. And today we see false teachers arise. A lot of us have either encountered a false teacher or we've met people who have a miss understood or misunderstanding of the gospel. They misunderstood it or they don't understand it. And this is what happens, family. People begin to believe that salvation now depends on them. That it's by their good works, by their holy works unto God, why they can draw near to God. But you know the problem is when you start depending upon yourself, for your good works, the moment you fall into sin, the moment you believe the lie and you sin, and it devastates you. So today I want us to, I want us to challenge our, ourselves and ask ourselves a real question. Do we know what it means to be saved by grace alone? To be truly set apart by God by his finished work upon the cross? Because, man, if we don't, I'm going to tell you all some family, we're going to run dry. We're going to run tired. We're going to run hard. And you know what? We're going to get weary and we're going to faint. We're going to be like the, your car when you got no gas money and you're running on the freeway and you run out of gas. It's exactly what happens. You know, Jesus said he's the living water. He gives us the fuel. But today, I want us to ask ourselves, man, have we understood what it means by grace alone? Because if we haven't understood what it means by grace alone, then we're putting everything upon ourselves for those good works. So some ways that we look upon ourselves for our good works, do we find value in our church attendance? Do we find value in our theological understanding of God's word? 
Do we know the five solos of the Reformation? Do we know who John Calvin is? Do we know the, the, the deep things of the scripture? And do we take pride in those things? Or do we feel that, man, I'm broken. How can God use me? For y'all who don't know, but I'm a very slow reader and I'm dyslexic. So when I read up here, it's like, oh man, I have to read in front of all y'all. And I struggle to read. And, and you too, all right. You know what? And at the end of the day, I'll tell y'all something. There are many brothers and sisters who feel like they're not good enough for the Lord. So when we look at grace alone, we're looking at two things. We're not looking at our good works, how well we know things, and we're not looking at how bad we are and how, how much we fail and what we don't know. We're not looking at that. We're looking at only one thing, Christ and his completed work upon Calvary. Jesus paid it all so that you would get it all. It is finished. No longer is it to be done. It is finished. And today we look at the things that we find value in. Because you know what we've done is we've made them into idols. We find value in how well we do things. Or we, we fall into the mode that, man, I'm not good enough. What I'm trying to say is, Take your eyes on how well you do and how much you fail and put your eyes upon the one who is perfect and holy. Because only in him do we find true perfection. And man, I'll be the first one to tell you, man, I fail on that every single day because my heart is hardwired for works righteousness. So for me, I'm continually going to the cross and asking the Lord for forgiveness because I find value in how well I obey. And it's scary to think that we do that. I know I do that. Because you know where Christ wants us at? He wants us to the place where we understand that it's only by his works. There's no other way can a man be saved but other through the Son, Jesus Christ. No other way can salvation be attained. So we're not looking at any other religion. We're not looking at our good works. We're not looking at the people around us and seeing how well and good they do. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Man, because man will fail you. Keep your eyes upon the one who loves you, who calls you my beloved, who's come to ransom you, who's come to rescue you, who's come to restore you. Keep your eyes upon your bride. Oh, man, that we would look at the brothers and sisters and encourage them. When they fall into sin, don't kick your brother down. Pick your brother up and remind them of the goodness because the groom to come is going to come for his bride. And we, the church, are called to remind our brothers and sisters of this grace because that's what is at stake in this message. And that's why they have no small dissension. And that's why they debate. Because there will be always false teachers teaching that you need to do in order to have. As a matter of fact, oneness Pentecostals teach that you must be baptized in order to be saved. 
as though if baptism is the way that we come to Christ. But no other way can we come to Christ but by faith alone in Christ alone. So I got a question today. How does God view you right now? Just ask yourself that question. How do you view me right now, God? How does he view you? Do you think God is done with you? Do you think God has abandoned you? Do you feel like you've ran away from God? Do you feel like like you can't call upon him? That you've asked him for prayers and he doesn't answer those prayers that you've asked him. How do you view God right now? Do you see him distant and near? You can see the heart of the gospel is this, is that our relationship is not dependent upon how we feel. And I would say this, brothers and sisters, that at the end of the day, the enemy tries to deceive you into falling into that temptation, and even your own lustful desires lead you into those temptations. But the accuser, the enemy, when you do fall into those temptations, he will accuse you all the day long, all the day long. And he will make you question who you are in Christ. Because see, this doctrine about grace alone, we need to understand at the core, our identity is at stake. Either we'll believe the lie that Satan tells us is that we're not good enough and we need to work our way up to God. We believe and trust. Man, you know what? Jesus, you really did do it all. You know, as we're going through our missional community groups, the first week we looked at was the cross of Christ and how our realization of sin is real. Not that we're growing in sin, but how sinful we truly are. And on the other, uh, other end of that is how amazing God's grace is. Because here's a part that I want us to understand. If we could take one thing, one thing alone from today is this. Christ died for us while we were sinners. Do we understand the depth of that? While we were his enemies. Jesus loves the ugly, broken you. That's when he died for you. That's when he loved you the most. And he loves you the same then as he does now. That's amazing grace. If we can leave with anything today, family, know that God's love is never changing, always constant. Because by grace alone are we saved, only by grace. And I'm not saying that grace gives us a license to go and do what we want, but grace leads us to follow and obey. And family, I, I mean, I really want to tell y'all something, that the gospel, man, is the most nearest and dearest thing. Spend time with the Lord. Search the gospels, read it over and over again, and look how sweet our Savior is. Know that how much he loves us and how much he ransomed his very life for us. Because you are loved. You are loved.
You know, as we see in this text that there's a conference that takes place and these people, these brothers come together and they start to begin to testify. And what you start to see is that they don't bend on the gospel. They actually start to tell of the goodness of God. So Peter begins it off and he tells them how God shows no partiality. And in verse 9, he says, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Paul begins to tell about the signs and wonders. And James begins to show them scripture. Family, what you see is brothers not bending on the gospel, but testifying to the gospel. See, the gospel is everything. It's every single thing. It's not Jesus plus something equals your relationship with God. But it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's not mine, by the way. But at the end of the day, family, what we see is that the gospel is the most important thing. And we need to understand the depths of God's love for us. And you know what happens? You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm share a story with y'all. How it looks like not to bend on the gospel. So we went to the Dominican Republic this year, uh, me and my wife, and while we were over there, we ran into this, um, this guy who was a pastor. And so we began to talk. And as I heard more and more of this conversation, I heard this man talking about what he required people do. He wanted the women to wear dresses. He wanted the people not to dress a certain way. He wanted people not to listen to certain music. And so I begin to ask him why that is. And he began to tell me, well, we shouldn't look like the world. And we have to be different. So I could have easily just walked away from that conversation. But what I did was I prayed the Lord give me, I, I prayed at that very moment that the Lord give me wisdom. And he directed me and guided me to speak boldly to this brother in love, in the gospel. And I began to challenge him. Of what about the scriptures? What does the scripture say about this? About that? Who does salvation belong to? How are we saved? And the more and more I heard his story, I found out that he was raised to believe these things. And he, be, he, be, he believed more of what he was taught by man than God's word. So today, family, we have to ask ourselves, are we following what's been taught to us by man or by God's word? Because see, the more we follow what men and people believe, we're only following what they think and feel and what's right in their own eyes. But when we use God's word as a lamp unto our feet, we're seeing that God is the one guiding us. That's his words that are leading us. Because, man, I'm going to tell you something. How that conversation ended was a very fruitful conversation. It was very different. because You know when you speak to someone very directly and it's very sharp, but you know it's like, man, it's what needed to be said? It was like one of those moments. And we left, we prayed, and, man, I still pray for that brother today. I still pray for that brother today. But we should never bend on the gospel. And when we need to, we need to defend the gospel. Because that's what these men are doing. And I'm not saying to stand on a street corner and with the, you know, with a megaphone and start saying these things. 
No, I'm saying is that when the gospel gets challenged, when someone begins to tell you what they think the gospel is, be ready to defend it. Be ready to show them what the scriptures teach. Be ready to point them to Christ. Be ready to show them, man, this is the love of Jesus, what he's done for you. Why are you putting this, this heavy load on yourself to try to prove to God what he's already done for you? Let your motivation be them being set free. Let your motivation be that, man, when they realize this truth through the power of the Holy Spirit, God will set them free from trying to perform. It's like a kid trying to earn the love and the affection of a father. You know how crazy that is? Now, we should be able to love, our kids should be able to know that they're loved by us, no matter how bad they mess up. Right? For real. I mean, I was a really messed up kid. My parents should have thrown, thrown me away. They put me in boot camp. I was in rehab. I mean, I was in a lot of different places as a kid. They should have gave up on me, but they didn't. And they still love me. They show me hard love, but they still love me. If that's imperfect love that they show me, imagine the perfect love of God the Father who never stops loving us. So we shouldn't bend on the gospel. You know, when they start talking about abstaining from food, offer to idols and, you know, animals that have been strangled in blood, what he's talking about is don't cause your brother or sister to stumble. Don't be a stumbling block for a brother or sister. If God is giving the liberty and no convictions to drink wine, don't drink in front of the brother who's struggling with alcoholism. If God's giving the liberty and freedom to be able to watch certain movies and do certain things and you have no convictions about them, don't place that on another person. The most important thing is that we see in this text is they're striving for unity and peace amongst brothers. You know, I always say this and I joke around about this, but my wife is Mexican and I'm a Salvadorian. They're very two different cultures, extremely two different cultures. But you know what? We get along. I respect her cultural differences when I go to her side of the family. And what I don't do is I don't cause her to stumble by talking bad about her family. Now, I do talk bad about when they make me mad. I'm not going to lie. She'll tell you the truth. I will. But I repent of it later. I'm like, you know, that was bad what I did. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to cause her to stumble. I don't want to use my freedom that Christ has given me. We've been set free in Christ. But don't use your liberties as a cover-up to do sin, to be in sin. Don't use your freedom to make a brother or sister stumble. My brother, if you have muscles and you go to the gym, Christian sisters, don't put on a tank top <laughs> and cause her to stumble. I'm serious about that. You know, and hear what I'm saying, family, is don't be a stumbling block. You know what I mean? Don't cause somebody to feel bad. I'll give you a good example. My mom, I love my mom. She doesn't like to eat pork at all. And I get it. She doesn't like to eat pork. 
But I, when she, if I know she's coming over, I want to offer her pork. When I, when I first found out about that, I kind of poked fun at her. And I would offer her pork sandwiches and, you know, meat. I, I'm just being honest. I'm just being real. But it was wrong of me to do that. Because she had a strong conviction about not eating pork. And I'm like, man, I love me some pork chops, right? Am I the only one? I love bacon in the morning. I love, yeah, right? Amen. All right. Every guy should put their hand up on that one. But, you know, at the end of the day, we shouldn't use our Christian liberties. We should not. Because Christ died for them. Just as much as he died for us. We're not above them. They're not below us. We're all one in Christ. So today, if we could take anything from today, is that we are saved by grace alone. To Christ alone. It's all by faith, family. If you feel that you've wandered away, or you're tired and weary, know that he's never left you. He's never forgotten you. Be encouraged to go encourage another brother or sister that you see who hasn't understood the gospel. This was fought about. They fought about this so that we today would know that salvation comes only through faith in Christ. Nowhere else. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 6. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 6. This is what the word of the Lord says. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. According to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. It's powerful. Highlight that. Save that. Record that in your heart. Not because of works done by us, but according to his mercy. Family, the mercy of Christ was displayed on that cross over 2,000 years ago for us so that we would be able to draw near and know that we are dearly loved to the point where he's willing to die for our sins. So today, we walk away with this. Learn all there is to know about Jesus. Learn him. Study him. Seek him. Go through his word and meditate on it. Find out who he is, what he's done. I love the gospel of John. When I go through the gospel of John with unbelievers, man, that is a beautiful book to see, the man, the display of God's love, his sacrifice, his mission, his life lived out with us in mind. And I would challenge y'all to read Romans 14 this week. 
to, more, to really like learn more about what it means to cause others to stumble. But read Romans 14. Spend time in God's word. It's active. It's living. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads. Let's close. Gracious Father, we know, Lord, that it is only through grace, Lord, that we are saved. It is only by your mercy, Lord, by your love, by your kindness, Lord, that we're redeemed, that we're set free, Lord. That, Lord, is nothing but what we've done, but all that you've done for us, Lord. Lord, so often we believe and trust in our own works. Lord, as a people, Lord, here, Lord, we, we repent of that today, Lord. Show us, Lord, how we've begun to trust in ourselves or how we've been trusting in ourselves, Lord. And reveal it to us, Lord, that we would put that to death, Lord. That we would not trust in our own good works and, and puff ourselves up with pride. That you would humble us, Lord. That you would gently humble us, Lord. Because we know that when you rebuke us, Lord, you do it out of love. Remind us today, Lord, that by your saving work alone, how we brought in, and it's by your saving work that we are kept in. Salvation was never dependent upon us, but all upon you, Lord. So as you keep us and no one can snatch us out of your hand, Lord. We ask and pray, Lord God, that you would help us to believe that truth more today, Lord, and then more tomorrow of who we are in you, Lord. How we're your children by faith, not by works. And I pray, Lord, anybody here who's, who's begun to believe, Lord, the lies of the enemy, Lord, that they're not good enough, or they've wandered away from you, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would just cast everything upon you, Lord. That they would say, Lord, I can't do it, but I know you can. Lord, lead us to repentance, Lord. That we would turn away from ourselves and look upon the perfect righteousness of Christ. That his perfect life has been given to us. that he paid our death on that cross. That we're accepted and drawn by the work that he's done for us, Lord. Help us believe that truth today, Lord. By grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. In Jesus' name we pray.